The book of Judges reports that Jephthah sacrificed his daughter to the Lord. Is that really what happened? Do you want to understand the Bible, but you're confused? You've come to the right place. This is Tough Bible Questions on Timothy Talks, where I'm going to work through answers to your questions about the tough, challenging, and sometimes flat-out weird sections of the Bible. Welcome back to Timothy Talks. It's season four, Tough Bible Questions. My name is Daniel Pentamone. I'm the host for today's show, and we have got a really challenging Bible question. What happened to Jephthah's daughter? Well, there's different theories. The text itself seems to indicate that she was sacrificed as an offering to the Lord. But there's been other views as well. So let's just start by looking at the story and seeing what the text says. So this story is found in the book of Judges, chapter 11. And the story begins with an illegitimate son. His name is Jephthah, and he's thrown out of the family eventually by the legitimate children who don't seem to want him to have an inheritance in the family. But while this um, small family drama is unfolding, there's something bigger that's also going on. The Ammonites are making war with Israel. And the Ammonites are some of the real enemies of Israel, and there's this war that's going on, and there's trouble in Israel. So Jephthah is thrown out of the family, but as the war intensifies, eventually the members of his family and his community, known as the Gileadites, come back to Jephthah, and they want to make Jephthah a leader. Because apparently Jephthah has developed something of a skill and a reputation as a military man. And the Gileadites need help in their war with the Ammonites, so they come to Jephthah, they say, will you go to war with us? And even though he's frustrated with them, Eventually, he agrees that he will go to battle with them if they promise to make him their leader and sort of rehabilitate him into their society. Well, the Gileadites are desperate, and they agree. So Jephthah, the head of the Gileadites, begins his campaign against the Ammonites. But he tries at first with diplomacy, and a lot of Judges chapter 11 contains the diplomacy that Jephthah tries to use to try to reason with the Ammonites against Um, what's going on. But Jephthah is ultimately unsuccessful in his diplomacy. At this point, the Spirit of the Lord, we are told, comes upon Jephthah, and he heads over to make battle with the Ammonites. So the plot is thickening. The excitement is building. Jephthah and the Ammonites are going to go at it head to head. But before the excitement actually comes, Jephthah decides to vow a vow. He really wants the Lord to be with him. And so he vows a vow found in Judges 11, verses 30 and 31. He says, If you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the Ammonites, shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Well, Jephthah makes this vow, and then he goes out to battle, and God gives him victory. The Ammonites are subdued before the people of Israel. And obviously, that's a great situation. Everyone's excited. And so Jephthah comes home, and he evidently still remembers his vow because his daughter comes out to meet him. His daughter comes, the text says, with tambourines and dances. She's excited. She's glad. Dad just won a big battle, and it's time to celebrate. There's only one problem. This is his daughter, and he remembers his vow. Not only that, this is his only child. So Even though his daughter is coming to meet him with joy and dancing, Jephthah just tears his clothes at the sight. This was a sign of exceeding grief. 
in ancient Near Eastern cultures to tear your clothes. And he says to her, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you have become the cause of great trouble to me. For I have opened my mouth to the Lord, and I cannot take back my vow. Well, she responds to her father, and she says, You've opened your mouth to the Lord. Do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, now that the Lord has avenged you on your enemies on the Ammonites. So she seems agreeable to her dad actually doing what he said he was going to do. But she does ask him for a favor. She says, leave me alone for two months, and I just want to go up to the mountains, and I want to go up and down on the mountains and weep for my virginity, I and my companions. And Jephthah agrees to this. Now, the text says at the end of two months, she returned to her father, who did with her according to his vow that he had made. We also read that the daughters of Israel, the young Hebrew ladies, made it a tradition from then on to annually lament for Jephthah's daughter for four days every year. Well, there's actually two theories about what happened. So what actually did happen? Well, the one theory says that Jephthah actually killed his own daughter, sacrificed her as a burnt sacrifice to the Lord. But the other theory doesn't. So what arguments do they use and which argument is right? We'll, we'll delve into that in just a minute. Take a quick listen to this. Now it's your turn. This season at Timothy Talks, the goal is to answer your tough Bible questions. So do you have a tough Bible question? If so, email it to timothytalkspodcast at gmail.com. That's timothytalkspodcast at gmail.com. Plus, every time you send a tough Bible question, you'll get a chance to win a Bible study resource of your choice so that you can understand the Bible even better. We might devote a whole podcast episode to answering your tough Bible question. Welcome back. So, two possible answers to what's going on with Jephthah's daughter. The first answer is actually that some people would say that Jephthah did not actually offer his daughter as a burnt offering. So why is this? What evidence would they use? And there's actually some surprising um, evidence in the text that could indicate that Jephthah did not. So a lot of this theory turns on the vow that Jephthah actually uses. In chapter 11, verses 30 through 31, I'll read that vow again. He says, If you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Now, notice that last phrase, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So, this theory says that the word and can actually be translated as or, or I will offer it up for a burnt offering. And the thinking goes like this. Jephthah doesn't know what's going to come out of his house. It could be a human or it could be an animal. So, he's prepared for both situations. If it's a human, then he will um, make that human be the Lord's. That human then will be dedicated to a life serving the Lord. But if it's an animal, or I will offer it up for a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering. So Jephthah, in other words, is prepared for either one, human or animal. Um, and so the thinking goes that it could be one or the other, and this word can be translated as or. He's going to do the one, or he's going to do the other. Then you also have the strange fact that in this text, there's the surprising lack of emphasis on death. The text doesn't actually say that Jephthah killed his daughter, 
And when Jephthah's daughter says that she wants to go and weep on the mountain, she wants to do it not for her short life or her death, but for her virginity. She is a virgin, and she wants to wail for her virginity, the text says. Um, The text also throws in an interesting point. It says that when Jephthah performed his vow, it reminds us that his daughter did not know a man. So there seems to be this surprising emphasis in the text itself, not on the death of Jephthah's daughter, but on the fact that Jephthah's daughter never marries and that she is a lifelong virgin. So the theory is this. His daughter wasn't actually sacrificed, but she was committed to a vow of lifelong service to the Lord. She was never given the opportunity to marry and have a family, which every Hebrew woman longed to do. And then there's also the emphasis on the fact that she is the only child of Jephthah. So this was not only painful for her, but also painful for Jephthah because he would never have grandchildren and his family line would never be continued, which was another significant tragedy for Hebrew people. Then you also have an argument that Jephthah is one of those men who is included in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. And how could a righteous man sacrifice his daughter? How could you do such a terrible thing and still end up in Hebrews chapter 11? And then you also have this, that the text says that the spirit of the Lord came on him and he went and he went out to, um, to headed to go to battle with the Ammonites. And right after that, it says that he vowed this vow. So how can a man vow a vow like that when the spirit of the Lord is on him? A vow to actually sacrifice a human being. So you can see there's actually a lot of surprising um, points in this passage that could give some favor to this view that maybe Jephthah actually didn't sacrifice his daughter. So then let's look at the other view. The other view says that Jephthah actually did sacrifice his daughter. And here's how they would respond to those points. First of all, the vow itself, the Hebrew word that's translated and, um, it could sometimes be translated or. However, that's a very, very, very rare translation of the word. It's almost always translated as and. And if it is translated as or, the context would make that abundantly clear. Well, obviously the context doesn't make that clear. It's not obvious that that should be translated as or. It seems to be translated as and. As most Bible translations, probably all Bible translations that I know of, are translating it that way. Second, the emphasis on the virginity um, of Jephthah's daughter would make a lot of sense to ancient readers. So, again, remember, the great hope and dream and joy of Hebrew people was to have a family. It was almost unheard of in Old Testament times to never marry. We're so used to the concept of singleness today, and many people choose not to get married. So we're used to that. We're used to people um, choosing not to get married, choosing not to have children. But this was considered the height of tragedy in ancient times. To die without children, to die unmarried, was one of the great tragedies of life. So the emphasis on the virginity of Jephthah's daughter and her wailing about it is a deep-seated grief about a life that has truly been cut short before its time because she has not had the opportunity to do what every Hebrew longs to do, to get married and to have a family. Well, this view would also recognize that this is a tragedy for Jephthah as well because his family line is going to be cut off. He's not going to have grandchildren. This is his only child, and he's losing his only child. Then you have, of course, that situation with regard to the Spirit. Um, The Spirit in the Old Testament, how could the Spirit come on Jephthah and then he make a vow this terrible? Well, the Spirit in the Old Testament is not dwelling in people 
like it dwells in them in the New Testament? So the answer to this would be, well, um, the Spirit in the Old Testament actually sometimes comes on evil people. It sometimes comes on people who are doing evil things. So you think about Saul. Um, In one of the most infamous examples in the Old Testament, Saul is going out to kill David, and the Spirit of God comes on him, which leads Paul to strip himself and lie down in the middle of the road and prophesy when the Spirit comes on him. So in the Old Testament, then, if the Spirit comes on you, that is not a guarantee that everything that you do is going to have God's stamp of approval as what a moral human being should do in their life. It just isn't going to have that. So um, that would be the answer to how Jephthah could vow a vow like this when the Spirit of God is on him. Then you also have the reality that, yes, Jephthah is in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11, Uh, just like Samson and just like some other people who did some really bad things in life. This doesn't mean that these people were perfect. This doesn't mean these people were models in everything they did. In fact, some of the people in the Hall of Faith actually did some terrible things. But the point of the Hall of Faith is they had faith, and that was not the abiding pattern of their life, even if the Bible records their ultimate lows. So these are the two views, basically. Summarizing it up, you have the one view that says Jephthah's daughter um, is not actually committed to a sacrifice. Instead, she is simply committed to a life, an unmarried life of service to God. The other view is that Jephthah actually did sacrifice his daughter, and he literally did what the text itself says. So which of these views is best? Well, I understand both views, and I think that they both have some valid points, and in some ways it's difficult to tell. But in my opinion, I do think definitely that the evidence is stronger on the side that Jephthah actually did sacrifice his daughter. And here's two reasons that make me choose that option. First of all is the Hebrew word and. And as someone who personally reads biblical Hebrew myself, that to me is definitely the obvious option. The idea of or does not at all seem apparent. You really want that. You really want to have that option. You know what I mean? Like, you can come to this text and you can want it to say or, and you can say, well, sometimes it's translated or, and that's true, but or is not a likely option here. Um, Almost always this word is going to be translated as and, and um, it's just, it's what you would expect here. It's what makes sense here. It's what the text seems to say. The or is really stretching, grasping at straws. Second, you have the flow of the book of Judges, and this to me really also does seem to be a clincher in understanding this text. I've talked about Judges before, um, but what we see in Judges is this downhill slide. Everything is getting worse and worse. Things get worse and worse. If you're interested in this a little more, I talked about this when I was um, dealing with the episode on Samson. Judges shows what happens when a people forsake God. Things get, they just get more and more dramatically evil. So the book of Judges is shocking. And while as moderns we don't really like that shock, we want to try to understand it in some other way, I think that the book of Judges includes this for the shock value, to shock us into our senses. This is what happens when a whole people stops following God. It's interesting to think about Jephthah. Jephthah is a man who obviously knows about the history and the culture of his people, as evidenced by reading through the diplomacy that he uses with the Ammonites. But Jephthah, even with all that knowledge, does not seem to have an understanding of the law of Moses to understand that there was actually a way to get out 
of foolish vows. You can make a foolish vow, and there's actually a way to repent of that vow and to get out of it, to not have to follow through with it. This is obviously a foolish vow, um, even if it's just Jephthah committing his daughter to this. Um, the fact that he bewails it so much and that she bewails it so much seems to indicate that there's not a lot of wisdom in the vow itself. So either way, you understand that Jephthah's vow is not a wise vow, and the text actually tells us that, that there is a way to get out of such a vow, but Jephthah doesn't seem to know it. He's suffering the problem that everyone in the book of Judges has, which is a profound lack of understanding God's word. And when society has come to this point, and when even the most godly people, even the people who end up in the hall of faith, don't understand the word of God, disaster is coming. So while I think that the non-sacrificial theory is interesting, I think it does make some interesting points, I feel that it ultimately doesn't do justice either to the story itself or to the book of Judges. I think we should be shocked by what comes when a society forgets God, and that should motivate us to make sure that we, our families, the people that we know and love about, the organizations, the institutions that we're a part of, even the nation that we're a part of, recognizes the great value of, for, or the great value really of God's law and the great danger of forsaking God. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope that that helped you understand the story of Jephthah's daughter a little better. I invite you to join me next week when I'm, I'm going to answer the question, why Leviticus? Why is there a book filled with so many minute instructions? And what does this really add to our faith to know that these things were going on? Um, if you've not already, I want to invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, it would mean so much if you shared it with your family and friends. So thank you so much for listening, and God bless.